Hello, friends. Before we start the episode proper, it is the first episode of the month, and we'd like to thank our generous patrons. So generous. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) So (laughs) lovely. No, but seriously, it's very important that uh, you give us money, because when we're eventually taken to court for our crimes against humanity, we can... All of that science was done outside of... I mean, the world's space. So none of that science can be used against you. It's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're on the moon. So we're, we're exempt from Terran laws. But a lawyer can make the case that, you know, we're making the radio waves because, you know, we, we no. still use radio in, in 2020, 21. And, you know, those those waves are blasting out into space. Well, and my consciousness is currently traveling throughout the Internet all over the world. But the science you guys did on the moon that created the awful things that exist there now you did that not on earth right right yeah Yeah, we're 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 free of any terran law it's you know no one owns the moon yet right (laughs) well i mean i would argue i own the moon right now that's but you know as a clone of me though i think really i own the moon so what you're saying is is that i have to kill you and eat you so that i can have sole ownership of the moon Not in so many words. No, what he's saying is there can be only one. Regardless, as we jump down this Mm -hmm. fucking rabbit hole. Yeah, because that's what we do. For real, thank you. Yep. You don't understand how important Mm -hmm. your support is. It it really does mean the the world to us. Yeah, it actually is a really big deal. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys. Giving us your money. A quick thank you to Dara, David Taylor. Patrick less Neanderthal than Dara <laughs> Aline. That's how they wanted to be referred. I'm just yeah. the messenger. Uh, the ever popular Vice Admiral Picklefeather. And thanks to our good friend Dan for a very generous donation on Ko-Fi. We really do appreciate it. Hey-o, Dan! Dan Bowen. <laughs> all right. We'll uh, take you back to our regularly scheduled episode now. And thank you all again. No, Joe. We're just <laughs> fucking up. pee in your bed. <clears throat> Hello, no, the, the strategy is from God the ceiling it, fan. I'm going to start now, unless you want to interrupt me some more. Hello, friends, and welcome. No, I'm not going to interrupt you anymore. God fucking damn it, you piece of piss. <laughs> <laughs> fucking piss clown. I swear. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kill your dick and frame your balls for murder. <laughs> Can I, can I go, or, or are you going to play grab-ass some more? No, 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 like like one and done. Okay, just making sure. Hello, friends, and welcome to Brainworms, the podcast that stands before you naked and ashamed. <laughs> I am uh, Joe. I'm David. I'm Kane. And I'm Chris. And uh, today, because fuck it, why not? <laughs> We're going to talk about L. Ron Hubbard. Why are you doing this to me? I mean, I'm doing it to me, too. The no, call's coming no, from inside no. the house. You like it. You sit over there in your weird BDSM pig outfit. <laughs> just not even getting, like, lashings. And like, yes, yes, I am suffering. Yes, this is good. Good. Yes. But, like, back to back with this and breatharianism? Like, why? 
Why are you doing this? Oh, don't forget fucking Morrissey. Oh, those are just so forgettable that all I remember <laughs> is Breatharian. How's that working out for you, by the way? I- I've got uh, skin cancer on my asshole now. <laughs> That's a completely different <laughs> yep. trend. That was cleaning your colon by getting a suntan on your butthole. It just really makes me wonder about how you breathe and also eat. Please don't answer. L. Ron Hubbard, science fiction writer, founder of what would become the Scientology movement based on a philosophy called Dianetics, which we're going to explore, explore by way of the novel Dianetics, the Modern Science of Mental Health. Is it a novel? Good call, David. It's not a novel. It's a self-help book, I suppose. Battlefield Earth is a novel. It which is. Which I actually considered doing for this, but honestly, it's just boring. You know, full disclosure, I read that book for the first time in like the seventh grade, mm-hmm. and I thought it was the most awesome thing I had ever read. What was awesome about it? I... I just thought the world building and the, like, scope of the adventure was really neat. Sure. I was, like, you know, 12, 13, and it really, I I was like, man, this is, like, the best book I've ever read. This is great. I love this. And then I went back and tried to reread it when I was, like, 18 or 19, and Jesus Christ, was it awful. Yeah. Real quick, was that, like, the first book that you were exposed to that had, like, the downfall of humanity within it? I don't think so. Not specifically. I mean, by that point, I was also reading, you know, Stephen King, and I hadn't discovered the greats of science fiction yet. Right. So this was really my first foray into like a sci-fi experience rather than a horror or fantasy sort of thing. Sure. Because I had also read like the Dragonlance novels around that time. But no, I I can't say that I'm excited about the prospect of going clear. <laughs> yeah, well, I am. You know, I'm trying to make us all better people. So, uh, yeah, L. Ron Hubbard founded a quasi-religion. Did he do it? intentionally himself or did someone just like pick up his stuff after and um no he i mean it, it's a matter of some conversation you know listeners chime in if the later founding of scientology was a genuine like i believe that this will make people's lives better or if it was just a long con but the original like him having these ideas seems to have been because apparently he had a near-death experience during a dentist's appointment and it, it got all these ideas in his head i uh actually listened to a podcast recently called behind the bastards mm-hmm. that i enjoyed a lot it's a guy who i can't remember his name but he uh does like deep dives into the history of just some of the worst people mm-hmm. and he had two full episodes on l ron hubbard nice weird dude fascinatingly weird dude yeah yeah real eccentric um when you get done listening to this podcast guys you should go and check that one out because it's yeah. neat yeah because i'm not going to go too deep into his biography so yeah if you want to learn about him that's the way to go planes and boats mm. and uh just lying all yep. the time just lying <laughs> kind of a con man yeah Apparently. The most interesting thing about him in the brief research that I did was that apparently at the time of his death, his followers announced not that that he had, you know, passed on 
but that his body had become an impediment to his work and that he decided to abandon it to continue his research. <laughs> I mean, that how sounds convenient. good to me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how I plan to go out. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's pretty much what I do every week. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and let me tell you, your body is an impediment to your work. Let's let's talk about Elon Harbor before we shoot ourselves. But yeah, we should remind all of you that we have a website. We give you brainworms.com via this website. You can support us monetarily. Uh, you can unlock cool bonus content and you can help us um, build firewalls to keep Kane's consciousness out of the Internet. Wait, are we trying to keep Kane's consciousness out of the Internet? Oh, it's too fucking late for that. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to encourage people to share this with everyone they know so that Kane <laughs> can get out there and fix stuff. I'm not going to fix stuff. I'm going to challenge Xenu. That, that sounds like fixing stuff. Well, also, don't forget that if you don't want Kane's consciousness on your computer watching you masturbate to fart porn, you, uh, you, you can get a subscriber bonus for giving us $5 on Patreon to stop that from happening. It's true. It's the, the firewall, the Kane firewall. Yeah, the Kane firewall keeps him out. It doesn't. Uh, well, now he can't sell it. Thanks, Kane. We're trying to create a problem and then sell the solution, Kane. <laughs> Have you learned nothing from L. Ron Hubbard? <laughs> <laughs> If you like us and, and are unable to support us in a monetary way, you know, you can like, subscribe, do all that stuff and tell your friends about this stupid bullshit that you listen to and they will probably judge you, but they might also like it. So then you can judge them. You guys actually enjoy this? Yeah, I, I make this and, and I, this is just joyless for me. Um, the podcast or life? Both. Good, good. Yep. Good. Well, have I got a book for you. Apparently this book will uh, improve your life in many ways. I feel better already. Dianetics. The Modern Science of Mental Health. A Handbook of Dianetic Procedure. By L. Ron Hubbard. Dedicated to Will Durant. Will the rant stop already? Ha 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 ha. I'm going to skip past the synopsis. Yeah, yeah, get to the, the meat of the thing. Yeah, I, I, don't want, I don't want any lube. I want to go in cold. So no synopsis, no introduction. For the record, the synopsis here runs one, two, three, four, five. Five and a half pages. The introduction is three pages. And then we get to how to read this book. Okay. Um, I would assume with your eyeballs. That's what I was <laughs> thinking too, but I feel like we, we need to read this part being yeah, as... Because we're reading it. We need to know right. how. How to read this book. Step one, acquire book. Step two, Smash forehead onto wall repeatedly until you lose all of your critical thinking skills. Step three, read the book. Apply head-on directly to your forehead. <laughs> How to read this book. Dianetics is an adventure. It is an exploration into terra incognita, the human mind. That vast and hitherto unknown realm 
half an inch back of our foreheads. The discoveries and developments which made the formulation of Dianetics possible occupied many years of exact research and careful testing. This was exploration. It was also consolidation. The trail is blazed. The routes are sufficiently mapped for you to voyage in safety into your own mind. What in the fuck? And recover there your full inherent potential. Which is not, we now know, low but very, very high. As was Ron when he yeah, was writing yeah. this. As you progress in therapy, the adventure is yours to know why you did what you did when you did it. To know what caused those dark and unknown fears which came in nightmares as a child. To know where your moments of pain and pleasure lay. There is much which an individual does not know about himself, about his parents, about his motives, in quotation marks. What? Some of the things you will find may astonish you, for the most important data of your life may be not memory, but engrams in the hidden depths of your mind. Not articulate, but only destructive. What, like, like from, from destiny? Am I going to get the last word from, from my mind engram? Maybe. You will find many reasons why you cannot get well, quote. <laughs> and you will know at length when you find the dictating lines in the engrams how amusing those reasons are, especially to you. Dianetics is no solemn adventure. For all that it has to do with suffering and loss, its end is always laughter. So foolish. So misinterpreted. Just where... take drugs. You can <laughs> skip all of these steps. I've never, like, considering all the books we've read, I've never seen so many words utilized to say absolutely nothing. Like, your diaphragm is yeah. yours to raise and lower, to breathe with. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. get to the point. <laughs> your your internal sadness, midichlorians, can be defeated. Your first voyage into your own terra incognita will be through the pages of this book. You will find as you read that many things you always knew were so are articulated here. You will be gratified to know that you held not opinions but scientific facts in many of your concepts of existence. Oh, good. Be assured that undervaluation of these facts kept them from being valuable, no matter <laughs> how long they were known, for a fact is never important without a proper evaluation of it and its precise relationship to other facts. Fortunately, you facts. do not have to concern yourself with following far any one of these lines until you are done. And then, these horizons will stretch wide enough to satisfy anyone. If someone was saying this to me, like it wasn't coming out of a book, I would say to them, Oh, is that true? Alright, evaluate this. This statement is false. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, you, you have to wonder when the, the how to read this book is, is basically telling you, and, and David, tell me if I'm misinterpreting this. This might seem like bullshit to you. It's not. And by thinking that it's bullshit, you're causing it to become bullshit. But it's your fault, not mine. There's probably some of that, although the overarching sort of premise that I'm getting is that, hey, so I sat down and I thought about some stuff, mm -hmm. and I decided that the things that are, you know, that feel true to me probably feel true to you too. And the fact that those things just feel true to us, well, that makes them true. And so you're not misguided and wrong. And in fact, we're just going to look into ourselves and determine that 
all of our problems are because we're just thinking about them the wrong way, and if we just change our way of thinking, our problems will disappear. I also like the, uh, like, this fact may seem useless, but all facts are useless without context or application. Yeah. <sighs> Dianetics is a large subject, but that is only because man himself is a large subject. Oh my god. The science of his thought cannot but embrace all his actions. You said butt embrace. <laughs> har, har, har. Kane, are you, are you still with us, or are you just silently smoldering? Oh shit, he's escaped to the internet. Oh no, not again. <laughs> not yet. I think you guys are confused, alright? I'm not escaping, alright? I'm still gonna have a corporeal form. Uh -huh. I'm still gonna have this body. Look, we're getting off topic here, alright? Let's, <laughs> let's get back to yeah. the wellness of Dianetics, alright? Yeah, let's, let's talk about better. some actual bullshit science fiction. <laughs> uh, by careful compartmenting and relating of data the field has been kept narrow enough yeah compartmenting okay the field has been kept narrow enough to be easily followed mostly this handbook will tell you without any specific mention about yourself and your family and friends for you will meet them here and know them this volume has made no effort to use resounding or thunderous phrases Browning polysyllables or professorial detachment. When one is delivering answers which are simple, he need not make the communication any more difficult than is necessary to convey the ideas. This is the equivalent of a bully punching you in the face with your own fist and saying, stop hitting yourself. I'm just going to go back and reread that, and I want everyone to let that sink in. Oh, yeah. This volume has made no effort to use resounding or thunderous phrases. Browning polysyllables or professorial detachment. When one is delivering answers which are simple, he need not make the communication any more difficult than is necessary to convey the ideas. Uh huh. I'm glad that we're stating just the implicit in all communication. I'm glad that L. Ron Hubbard uses flowery language to tell me he's not yeah. going to use yeah. flowery language. That's great. It's really good. Then again, he was writing this in what, the, the 40s, the 30s? I, I think it was like the 60s, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it probably says so at the beginning of the book. But probably. at any rate, it was a different era and slightly more flowery language was the norm. Mm -hmm. At that point, people could in general sort of across the board be counted on to be able to read at something higher than a fourth grade level. Sure. At least the people that could read. Right. They were given those opportunities by society. Right. Yep. And so bear with us, psychiatrist, when your structure is not used. For we have no need for structure here. Bear with us, doctor. And we call a cold a cold and not a catarrhal disorder of the respiratory tract. For this is, essentially, engineering. And these engineers are liable to say anything. What the fuck is he babbling about? I don't know, man. Is this like a fever dream that he <laughs> fucking dictated and somebody wrote down for him? This is reminding me of that. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. <laughs> All I'm saying is, is that I felt like there was more logic and reason with the breatharian guy. Not going to lie. Yeah. <clears throat> he's just telling you how he's going to tell you. Right. <laughs> Which is worse. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so I'm going to tell you, not using flowery words, but using flowery words, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to tell you this thing. And also, because we have no scientific names for anything, or we haven't properly identified anything, instead of that being a deficit, I'm just going to say it's an asset, and then mm. it'll become an asset. 1950, by the way, is when okay. this was originally published. And Scholar... In quotation marks. Mm. You would not enjoy being burdened with the summation signs and the Lawrence Fitzgerald Einstein equations, so we shall not burden the less puristic reader with scientifically impossible Hegelian grammar, which insists that absolutes <sighs> exist in fact. This book follows, more or less, the actual steps of the development of Dianetics. First, there was the dynamic principle of existence then its meaning, then the source of aberration, and finally... Hey, David, uh, I thought we said we were going to skip the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is just how you read it. You the synopsis the... was like 11 pages. What the fuck? <laughs> just start the book, my dude. <laughs> this book follows more or less the actual steps of the development of Dianetics. First, there was the dynamic principle of existence, then its meaning... And the source of aberration, and finally, the application of all as therapy, and the techniques of therapy. You won't find any of this very difficult. It was the originator who had the difficulty. You should have seen the first equations and postulates of Dianetics. Oh my God. <laughs> as research progressed and as the field developed, Dianetics began to simplify. That is a fair guarantee that one is on a straight trail of science. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only things which are poorly known become more complex the longer one works upon them. Um. Yup. Huh. It is suggested that you read straight on through. By the time you get into the appendix, you should have an excellent command of the subject. I mean, that's what books are for. <laughs> the book is arranged that way. In this book... You will find words, and those words are on paper. <laughs> when you have finished the book, you can come back to the beginning and look through it and study what you think you need to know. Or you can eat it to gain its power. <laughs> Applied directly beforehand. <laughs> Almost all the basic philosophy and certainly all the derivations of the master subject of Dianetics were excluded here. Partly because this volume had to stay under half a million words, Partly because they belong in a separate text where they can receive full justice. Now, real quick, you know, like, oh, we had to put the good stuff in another book. I'm assuming that those books are in the library that you have to pay money to access. I don't know, but I, I would assume that those books are the foundation of the Scientology religion, mm. the holy texts or whatever. I don't know. I don't really know enough about right. Scientology to know if they have, like, holy texts per se you wrote a lot of books about dianetics that you yeah. can just buy but i don't know you are beginning an adventure treat it as an adventure and may you never be the same again <sighs> this book is gonna change our fucking lives it's already changed mine we're gonna be so much better people do you think it's possible to be a scientologist and a breatharian uh, well i guess we'll find out not for long <laughs> <laughs> that's not true you can get at least three days <laughs> book one the goal of man chapter one fart pouring the scope of dianetics your butt cheeks is warm <laughs>
A science of mind is a goal which has engrossed thousands of generations of man. Armies, dynasties, and whole civilizations have perished for the lack of it. Rome went to dust for the want of it. China swims in blood for the need of it, and down in the arsenal is an atom bomb, its hopeful nose full-armed in ignorance of it. I've never heard anyone apply the term hopeful to an, an atomic bomb. <laughs> it is an interesting, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the bomb itself does hope to be used in some sort of animistic way. I, I don't sure. know. That's a very taking a club to a nail sort of. Mm. Yep. No quest has been more relentlessly pursued or has been more violent. No primitive tribe, no matter how ignorant, has failed to recognize the problem as a problem. Nor has it failed to bring forth at least an attempted formulation. Today, one finds the aborigine of Australia substituting for a science of mind a magic healing crystal. The shaman of British Guiana makes shift for actual mental laws with his monotonous song and consecrated cigar. The throbbing drum of the Goldie Medicine Man serves in the stead of an adequate technique to alleviate the lack of serenity and patience. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Will this explain all of my J.O. crystals? No, no science can explain those, yeah. Well, actually, uh, I mean, there is a science that can explain those basic biology. Yeah, but but not why you have so many. Yeah, that's that's just weird. The enlightened and golden age of Greece yet had but superstition in its principal sanatoria for mental ills, the Asclepian the Asclepian Temple. The most the Roman could do for peace of mind for the sick was to appeal to the Penates, the household divinities, or sacrifice to Phoebus, goddess of fevers. And an English king, centuries after, could have been found in the hands of exorcists who sought to cure his deliriums by driving the demons from him. Man, I'm really glad he used just plain English for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is very understandable to the to the common reader. From the most ancient times to the present, in the crudest primitive tribe or the most magnificently ornamented civilization, man has found himself in a state of awed helplessness when confronted by the phenomena of strange illnesses or aberrations. Phenomena. Do 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 do. Phenomena. Do 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 do. His desperation, in his efforts to treat the individual, has been but slightly altered during his entire history, and until this 20th century past mid-term, the percentages of his alleviations in terms of individual mental derangements compared evenly with the successes of the shamans confronted with the same problems. In terms of brutality and treatment of the insane, the methods of the shaman or bedlam have been far exceeded by the civilized techniques of destroying nerve tissues with the violence of shock and surgery. Get to the point. Treatments which were not warranted by the results obtained and which would not have been tolerated in the meanest primitive society, since they reduced the victim to mere zombieism, destroying most of his personality and ambition and leaving him nothing more than a manageable animal. Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you guys, when I started electroconvulsive therapy, I just became a zombie. Like you're talking to a zombie right now. You're very erudite. <laughs> I mean, for 1950, though, he's not far off. Like He's aware of a problem. That yeah. specifically in his time, the mental health industry was very crude and 
caused more problems than it solved. Absolutely. I don't think that the solution he's going to present is going to be any better. Are we confident that at some point he is going to present a solution? Theoretically, that's the thrust of the book, is this is a solution to these problems. I don't know. I I feel like I've got to go someplace to get like a personality test or something. Well, you have to have someone else tell you all the things that are wrong with you because you're too blocked to really see them for yourself. So you go and you identify your engrams and then you work to clear your thetans and then Xenu throws you in a volcano. What if I'm pretty comfortable and happy with my thetans? Well, because they're the disembodied spirits, right? That were blown up in a volcano, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, inside of the movie theater that we're all experiencing. Like, I can't remember if the volcano came before the movie or after. Um, Scientology is weird. Yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense for Lord Xenu to have thrown those things into the sun? Because the sun's far hotter than a volcano and we're constantly bathed in stuff from the sun yeah well it would have made a lot more sense for frodo to throw the ring (laughs) into the sun but mount doom was closer it's true much more accessible i actually think that just cleansing our colons (laughs) is really what uh what l ron hubbard was looking for i mean i'm not gonna shit on him for this necessarily like yeah once your colon's been cleansed that's right (laughs) or maybe not until oh good point yeah it flushes all the yeah Eh, eh. but like sure there there was an issue and let's face it the science of psychology psychotherapy was very new at this point in time Mm -hmm. and there's a really disturbing kind of connection between psychotherapy and psychoanalysis and the field of advertising sure yeah absolutely which is terrifying the deeper you look into it oh yeah oh yeah um you know in fact freud's nephew i think was the guy who basically invented modern advertising using freud's theories right yeah and uh so yeah it's it's tied up into a lot of shit and I can see Hubbard positioning himself as someone who recognized this problem early on and was trying to, you know, fix this by presenting something that was not so locked behind the ivory tower of academia. Let me, let me stop you there. I would give you that until we get to the point where Lord Xenu throws a bunch of things into a volcano. Yeah, like that, that, right. that's like, yeah. I, I, yeah, like, you know, we, we acknowledged before that he has recognized a problem. But I don't think that the solution that he's winding up to... If we ever get there. Is, is going to be any better. If we <laughs> ever get there. Which, he's not in a hurry. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting to see, and I, I think this may just be apocrypha, but I think that at some point in the, like, mid to late 40s, mm-hmm. possibly at some point after World War Two, but before this book was written... Mm-hmm. L. Ron Hubbard and Robert Heinlein mm-hmm. were having drinks at a bar and they made like a friendly bar bet about which one of them could found a religion. Interesting if true. Based on their writing. And shortly after that, Hubbard wrote this and Heinlein wrote Stranger in a Strange Land, mm-hmm. which 
has the church of all worlds and that actually became an actual religion as well. It just never got as big right. as Scientology, mostly because it's basically just a religion that kind of says you should all be fucking each other. Come on. It's cool. It's like church for swingers. We like yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. If, if true, that's really interesting. And it I is, don't yeah. exactly know what, cause he's presenting this whole thing as very, you know, this is science. And I don't know if that's because saying it that way makes it harder for people to argue. Like I've found science here and I'm presenting it to you. And this is, this is real science, guys. Really, really real. Right. In Stranger in a Strange Land, what was it called when you would perceive something so perfectly that you would lose the distinguishment between yourself and the object you were perceiving? Was it called grokking? Grokking, correct. <laughs> One time I had a guy start babbling a bunch of philosophical nonsense at me and like the grokking thing came up and I was like, okay, that's cool. And they started trying to tie it to like uh, karma and reincarnation and everything. And, and I just, I, I couldn't follow him. And I kept <laughs> asking him questions and like, I don't see how that makes sense. And he got so frustrated that he just got to a point where he looked at me and said, you would be able to understand me if your karma was better. Well, <laughs> womp womp. I mean, yeah. you, it's an interesting and fundamentally flawed understanding of the concept of karma which often people take to mean this is you know bad things happen to you in your life because you did bad things but that's actually more of a like that's the god of the jews karma doesn't care about this life karma is the collected energy that you're taking through all of your lives as you journey through the wheel of dharma I don't know a whole lot more than that about the concept, but right. I, I do know that it's not like an instant karma is bullshit. Mm -hmm. If somebody like kicked a puppy in the morning and gets hit by a car in the afternoon, that is not karma. Right. Oh, I remember now the argument I was making based on the fundamental idea, uh, like the, the false idea of karma being that, you know, you do something bad, something bad happens to you. So, with that in mind, your entire life, everything about you, is founded on the very first choice your soul ever makes. Because if bad things happen to you, you are more likely to do bad things to other people. Like, bullies are often bullied themselves, you know, that sort of thing. So, when you have completely neutral karma, absolute zero, the first decision you make will govern the rest of your eternal existence. And that was my argument for why I don't think karma makes any sense. <laughs> right. It's also an interesting and, uh, I think, concise argument against original sin. But... <laughs> sure. I guess we should try to make some progress on this. Yeah. Is it progress, though? That's the question. Is it progress? I don't know. It was 1950. Everything was progress. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. But we really liked the idea of progress right. in the 1950s yeah. it was a very exciting premise to uh to pin other ideas to in the larger sphere of societies and nations the lack of such a science of mind was never more evident for the physical sciences advancing thoughtlessly far in advance of man's ability to understand man have armed him with terrible and thorough weapons which await only another outburst of the social insanity of war these problems are not mild ones 
They lie across every man's path. They wait in company with his future. As long as man has recognized that his chief superiority over the animal kingdom was a thinking mind, so long as he understood that his mind alone was his weapon, he has searched and pondered and postulated in efforts to find a solution. Like a jigsaw puzzle spilled by a careless hand, the equations which would lead to a science of the mind and, above that, to a master science of the universe, were stirred round and round. Sometimes two fragments would be united. Sometimes, as in the case of the Golden Age of Greece, a whole section would be built. Philosopher, shaman, medicine man, mathematician, each looked at the pieces. Some saw they must all belong to different puzzles. Some thought they all belonged to the same puzzle. Some said there were really six puzzles in it, some said two. And the wars went on and the societies sickened or were dispersed, and learned tomes were written about ever-increasing hordes of madmen. With the methods of Bacon, with the mathematics of Newton, the physical sciences went on, consolidating and advancing their frontiers. And, like a derelict battalion, careless of how many allied ranks it exposed to destruction by the enemy, studios of the mind lagged behind. But after all, there are just so many pieces in any puzzle. Before and after Francis Bacon, Herbert Spencer, and a very few more, many of the small sections had been put together. Many honest facts had been observed. Now I'm just imagining cooking bacon. <laughs> <laughs> To adventure into the mm, thousands... Bacon. Bacon. No, no, not, not the food. I'm imagining cooking Kevin Bacon. Oh, that seems rude. Yeah, what the hell? But I mean, you're, you're probably only like six people away from him at any given point, so... It's true. God, I hope Kevin Bacon never gets coronavirus. Oh my God, the world would end. <laughs> Is anyone else having trouble congealing these words yes. into, into meaning? Yeah. Like, I'm hearing David's voice. Right. Which is soothing and nice to hear. Which is, yeah. And it, it just sounds like he's vomiting oatmeal <laughs> out of him. Like, I, I can't make meaning out of these sounds. It's a little bit more apparent when you're actually reading it. Sure. So basically, what he's saying, again, is that a lot of smart people have thought for a long time about why people fight and what's, you know... Mm -hmm what's causing conflict between humans and what causes people to act out, be violent, etc., and is making the case that they've specialized various ways to try and solve this problem by using you know, various, quote, primitive religious beliefs or sure. sciences such as psychotherapy or math or physics or whatever right but all of those things are just solving small bits of the puzzle okay. and so the only way to really solve it is to use dianetics so okay so all of that to say i've discovered the unified field theory yeah effectively i mean except yeah. this is a unified field theory for literally everything that's what the unified field theory is. It's the theory of ever, of everything. Well, yeah, but like this goes beyond like into sociology, philosophy, and psychology. Well, in in theory, the unified field theory would be applicable to that because it's the theory of of the foundations of everything. I suppose you're right. Yeah. <sighs> Hello. 
we've talked about Dianetics for a while. Do we, do we want to just stop for now? I didn't want to do it to begin with. Yeah, but you don't want to do anything. I just... It's, L. Ron Hubbard is a terrible person. Everything about this is terrible. Yep. I think we should stop, but I feel this inescapable force pulling us forward. No, we're going to stop. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to stop. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Don't forget if you're a luch a lube tube listener all right Whoa. <laughs> no, no, my okay. new favorite website <laughs> don't listeners don't go to lubetube.com unless you know what you're getting into <laughs> no 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 don't, see you don't want to go there you want to go to lubetube.com nice gross uh, if you're a YouTube listener, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, click the bell. Uh, if you leave an interesting comment, we'll probably engage with it, talk to you, see what you got to say. Well, I mean, if you leave any comment, sooner or later, somebody will do something. Well, that's very vague, but definitely <laughs> a verifiable thing. No, yeah. Yeah. no, listeners, here is my promise. Chris's personal guarantee that if, if you put a message into our whatevers, something will happen eventually personal guarantee all right fair enough uh, don't forget to go to we give you and uh you know you can support us on patreon give us your money like the uh, the lovely listeners we named at the top of the episode and yeah i think that's it unless somebody else has something to add i think there's like ko-fi or something too oh yeah we absolutely have a ko-fi so yeah we uh ko-fi.com slash brainworms podcast also uh your mother sucks cocks in hell we're sorry we're we're really sorry about everything that just happened with Elron hubbard goodbye i'm gonna push the button now this has been a production of brainworms presents any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review brainworms podcast is david combs kane magdalene Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is HodgePod Number 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app. Ha, 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 ha.